The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle, from the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback. There's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. Welcome into the Online Choir podcast. A day late on the Mondays with Mike, but there actually will be a bonus at the end of this. We'll get the professorial take. I think I said that right. Professorial take on filling out your brackets and just what the data says. Professor Sheldon Jacobson is going to join us uh, to break down just a lot of data accumulation of what is the best way to fill out your brackets. And one good thing, Michael Carpenter, is that one seeds have a good chance of getting to the final four. And that's what Illinois basketball is for just the fourth time in their history. And just for the third time since the Big Ten tournament has started, Illinois cuts down the nets. And it was amazing, Carp. I'm sitting there watching Io DeSumo climb up the ladder. He starts to take the scissors and then he just points to the video board. And it was kind of this quick moment where, oh, Illinois is a one seed on the selection show. It happens so quickly, all those moments put into one. But what a day, what a Sunday uh, for Illinois basketball. I was just talking to Juan actually a little bit ago. And even during the podcast that we had during the second half in overtime, I thought multiple times, this is not going to happen. Ohio State is the antidote. They're a terrible matchup for Illinois, and I do not want to play them again. And the way this season's gone, I bet you play them a fourth time. Uh, it would not at all shock me. Did you but- predict it? Because I just did. I filled out a bracket literally an hour ago for the first time, and I did have Ohio State beating Baylor. I just, I just had the vision of Dwayne Washington being ridiculously good in my head, and then I love E.J. Liddell, and I just thought Baylor, they don't have that big man. That, that can maybe bother Ohio State, and I, I thought they actually matched up well. So maybe I'm just a prisoner of the moment there. You know, I think Baylor sneaks out. I know that they are not playing as well as they did before the break, but I still think they're a more complete team. And even with Ohio State, before that Illinois game, even the Michigan game, Dornier choked that one away. And then the Minnesota game to start things off. They're a team that a buddy of mine who's a Buckeyes fan says, we're great for the first 36 minutes, and then the last four, we just can't do it. We saw that in Columbus. We didn't really see that Sunday because I don't think that was so much Ohio State choking at all. No. I think it was Illinois and some of the unsung heroes of Illinois finding a way to make plays. And for Illinois to have won that game, maybe I should be more cautioned because it was not the prettiest performance. And yet they scored 91 points. They beat a two seed in the NCAA tournament for the second time in a week. They did so without Iowa and Kofi having superstar games by their standards. So in a weird way, it was the inefficiencies and the messiness of that win that makes me feel even better going into the NCAA tournament. I agree with you, Cart, because Iowa had the same game. 
right? Luca Garza was good, and Io and Kofi were good in the championship game, but he wasn't efficiency god, Luca Garza on offense, right? And but they had Jordan Bohannon step up and make some big shots. I thought Joe Wieskamp was great in the first half, um, but. Illinois won that game and Iowa lost because when you play a good team and a team plays good, um, you're probably going to lose if, if you don't have your great game. Uh, Illinois didn't have its great game from its superstars, but you know, Trent Frazier hit two huge shots. DeMonte Williams carries over the aggressiveness after Iowa got hurt and makes a huge shot, makes three threes in that game. Uh, and then, of course, Georgie. I, I mean, what, what a moment for Georgie that I think that's how we'll remember. Like, like we'll remember 36 point game, but that is, that is the Georgie moment when it mattered most, when his team needed him, he stepped up and gave him that 10 point burst. And then Andre Corbello has just been a, a third star for, for the last seven game win streak. Um, it's amazing how well they're playing, even when they don't get a great game from this guy or that guy. Yeah. I think the question that we had back even gosh, a month, month and a half ago would have been, you know what you got in Iowa and Kofi, but what do you have outside of that? And to hear Io on 670 The Score yesterday even call the injury a blessing in disguise. He said that himself. And he's the one that had to get the broken nose and have a concussion. He's saying that. And I think we all were hoping that would be the case for this team and the role players finding out how they can play when Io was not out there. Now, Io was out there on Sunday, but we saw with a lot of the, moment, uh, the closing moments that normally he'd make those shots wasn't happening. It just wasn't the Io that we've grown accustomed to didn't matter weird a dude misses a shot like you just expect him to make it i i will say like they felt like four shots like they were tough shot but like he makes those in the past so you can't complain about it now um but it was like man attack the rim right it it felt like don't settle for the the 25 footer but if you're you can't really tell io that because he's made them so many times well and i think he'll make some down the stretch i mean what what i feel all the more heartened about is if you consider the fact this is still the first postseason experience for any guy on this team, and they did that against Rutgers, 10 seed, and then you have uh, Iowa getting a two seed, Ohio State a two seed. So it was not an easy path to the Big Ten tournament title. They got it done, despite, again, like we said, not the uh, best Iowa and Kofi. But you mentioned Georgie, and he's a guy that I know I pulled my hair out watching him sometimes, and a lot of fans have too. But there is this connection uh, with Georgie because of the personality he has that he is also the easiest guy to root for. So when he goes on that tear, and especially the second and one, the first one was great. The second one was, you've got to be kidding me. And you don't win a Big Ten title without Georgie Bashanishville. You do not win that game without him. It's it's something that you can't write up until it actually happens. And it's just another one of those chapters in this season that make it seem like we're going to this inevitable happy ending what and and i don't know if that's the ultimate but this team will accomplish something more it just seems to be on that path it felt like the jack ingram game right like it just felt like i mean you got to have one of those i mean you got to have the trent frazier game at at michigan you got to have uh those kind of moments from from different guys uh stepping up and it it, it definitely is a team like there's almost a point carp where i'm like are these arm in arm pictures jumping the shark, right? Like if we jump the shark where we're posting these too often. Okay. Like Iowa is together. Okay. Like that's a team that plays together. I think they're tight knit, but Illinois has that. And I was watching as, you know, DeMonte Williams is shooting his free throws and the entire bench is arm in arm. And 
there is a togetherness of this team. I know John Gross talked about toughness and togetherness. This team has those things, and they do matter. Um, but it, it's certainly a team that, when it faces adversity now, unlike maybe midway through the season, um, they know how to respond to it. And there's been times, whether it's Iowa's injury, whether it's uh, you know Ohio State and Dwayne Washington just going on a heater, uh, they respond to it. And every guy is not afraid of that moment, which is pretty amazing. You mentioned those arm-in-arm pictures. And, I mean, Saturday on Twitter, that was fun. I mean, and I, I legitimately mean that. When Bohannon started to get going with that, I enjoyed every bit of it. And it, it's fun. It's a rivalry. It's sports. Yeah. It should have that juice behind it. I will say on Sunday that as we're recording the podcast and it, it's that moment of realization, DeMonte hits the first free throw. It, it doesn't matter. The game's over. But then they cut to the uh, image of DeMonte, Kofi, Iowa, and Trent yeah. with their arms around each other's shoulders. And it's at that moment that I, I've never, ever, 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 ever gotten choked up during a sporting event. Uh, maybe it was, it was the long week before that. It was the two and a half weeks of just craziness riding that wave. But I got choked up from that image. So yes, if I keep seeing them, Total Fonzie jump the shark moment. Absolutely. Enough is enough. No, I get why but, people love them. I'm not trying to be the yeah, hater here. Uh, not at all, but there's an authenticity to yeah. it. And that resonated. And also when you consider the journey that it took to get here in the first place, not just in the last two and a half weeks or two months, but where you were two years ago. And I feel like sometimes I don't even contextualize what Brad Underwood's done here enough. It's happening. We talk about it. But it is something that even Lou Henson, who did an amazing job building this thing, didn't do it this quick and did no. not do it to this extent. And in my column, Carp, I, I, I wrote this. It's really happened in 14 months, right? I mean, when you go back to it, we're sitting here January 2020, and Brad Underwood at the time is 34 and 50, or 35 and 44 overall, 12 and 29 in the Big Ten, right? That was 14 months ago. Since then... He's 34 and 11 and 31 and nine in the Big Ten, which is one of the best Big Ten, deepest especially, right? And then you see two one seeds and two two seeds and another four this year. Like that is a loaded conference. And he's been able to do that. And every time I'm, I'm on a radio show, whether it's down in St. Louis or Chicago, they ask me, did, did you see this coming? Like, did you think Brad Underwood could do this? And I always appreciated him as a coach. And I, I thought, He's the John Beeline, right? We've had that conversation. I thought he could be Illinois' John Beeline where he does it with X's and O's. And he's just the schemer guy. And he has this system that he runs. And he'll find players. And then he'll start recruiting after that. It was the opposite. The way he got here was different. He found the players, completely changed his scheme. And then X's and O's wise, they've excelled. Uh, and I think Gentry is a big part of that as well. And then, you know, they got the assistants. They were able to get these stars, uh, but then to be able to motivate them. And I think motivation has been big. And while I, I think there's reason for people nationally to be like, Illinois, stop complaining about the Big Ten title, right? I, there, there are reasons for them to do that. Uh, I think Brad and Josh Whitman knew that poking that uh, would motivate this team to go get this Big Ten title banner and then to still say – after getting a number one seed, they feel disrespected. Like Io said disrespect. And Kofi and and some other guys have said they don't want us to win. They don't like, want us to have yeah, like which isn't true. It, it's not true, but they feel that and that motivates them. And it, it works for this. This team likes being 
disrespected or the underdog, even if they're not truly those things. Yeah, they they operate well off of slights, perceived or real. You know, right. it doesn't even matter if it's real or not. And I mean, I reiterated that yesterday. He said disrespected. They didn't want us to have it. Who's they? I don't know. But they didn't want us to have it apparently. And 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 I know that the hosts were like, wow, like you know, that's the, they that's really always, are kind of carrying this with them. That's always know? the way to say it is they, right? The, the scary they. <laughs> who's, big, who is big. they? I don't know exactly, but it works for him, man. Now, I don't know about, I mean, you were there, so you might have had a better sense of this, but, and it's tricky because I wasn't listening to, during the second half, the color commentary, but I also got a sense that maybe the weight was finally kind of pulling on them a bit. And what I mean by that is there wasn't a fluidity with the way that they played, especially offensively in the second half. They still got it done, right? That's the remarkable thing about Sunday. And Ohio State was their fourth game on four days, and I think that I don't know if at some point it just occurred to these guys like, okay, wait, everything that we've been like chasing for and all the mental energy that they expended to get to that point, I, I do wonder if they kind of came up against it a little bit in addition to playing a really good team. And now that they have that out of the way and there's this very straightforward path ahead, you know, you're, you're still an indie. You got six wins to a national title that I don't know if winning the Big Ten title takes any of the onus or pressure off of what's ahead, but I don't think it hurts either. No. I think it is... Okay, we got it done. And to see a somewhat subdued, at least the videos that Illinois basketball are putting out, somewhat subdued locker room celebrations after each of those three wins. This is a team that is locked in and truly in this, okay, um, what's next? Mindset. Mm -hmm. And I think it bodes well going forward, but I did sense a little bit of that pressure kind of tugging on them on Sunday. I think there was a little pressure, but I also think there was a good team, right? On, on the other side of it, a great team. Like Ohio State's, what a top eight team. I don't know an AP this week, but uh, you know, a top eight team in the NCAA tournament certainly is a two seed. Uh, I think both those things uh, were happening, but I, that's why I think this is the best lead in possible to an NCAA tournament. Uh, you know, I talked with Sean, I know you did too, Sean Harrington, about what it's like to play in an NCAA tournament. And I do think it's different than playing in a Big Ten tournament. So yeah. is that moment, yeah, I think that's going to weigh more. Playing uh, a Sweet 16 if Oklahoma State has a five-point lead with five minutes left. I think that's a little bit different than, than sure. a Big Ten tournament because there's finality to it. And, and, you know, if they lose to Ohio State, that's not going to be what the season is remembered for, right? Like, you don't want the Big Ten tournament to be what this team is remembered for, but it certainly is one great memory and, and one that I think is important, and it's certainly history-making. But there is more weight in the NCAA tournament. But, I mean, there's no better practice for the NCAA tournament than what they've just gone through. Six games in a row on the road to top 35 Kempom teams, five against top 10 Kempom teams, five or all of them against NCAA tournament teams. And then to have three games in three days, one against, as you said, a 10 seed in the NCAA tournament, one against a two seed, one against a two seed. That That's basically like a round of 32, a sweet 16, elite eight, or if you wanted to go round of 32, you know, uh, elite eight, final four. I mean, that, that's basically what they just had and they survived it all. And in a myriad of ways, if you think about the Ohio State game, that was the ugly win. And again, I say that they scored 91 freaking points. So that's their new college basketball game. That, that's what it that was. was. It was it was ugly for what Illinois is maybe had here, but it was just a fantastic college basketball game. I think it was two great teams making it difficult on the other to score. And yet they kept scoring. I mean, that was what was remarkable about it, it was all these high level baskets that these guys were scoring with hands in their faces. And yeah, it was it was a lot of fun, if not for the immense like it, it was emotionally exhausting because 
Fans wanted it so bad. I know they wanted it even worse than fans did. But then look at the Iowa game. An absolutely efficient performance, top to bottom. Got within five late, but they did what they had to do, and they did it well. And then Rutgers, that was your first postseason game for the entire team. Not a bad start. So as I look at that and you couple it with the last three games of the regular season at Wisconsin, at Michigan, and at Ohio State, this team can win in a variety of different ways. They don't need to score 90, but they often seem to, or at least 80-plus. And as I look forward in these, let's just start with the four games in the Midwest region, whatever the path may be, even if it goes scratch, there's going to be tough games. But knowing what the floor is for this team, what I perceive to be the floor, this is still their region to lose. And I think by a decent margin, there's going to be challenges. But not like at Michigan, not like Ohio State twice in a week, not like this Iowa team that – I don't know if they're going to give Gonzaga a run for their money or not, but they'll probably be in the Elite Eight. So I don't know. I'm I'm not as scared. I don't know if it's arrogance or not. I'm just not that scared, even though I know there are landmines out there. Yeah, certainly. I mean, that's what an NCAA tournament is, right? You get through round one, and then there's good teams. It's just going to be good team after good team, but they've dealt with that for the last three months, right? Actually, you can go four months. I mean, they haven't really had uh, anyone but their first two games that were Drexel-like. Um, so you look at the path, Carp, and you know I I was watching it live as you know the players are watching this live. Like they didn't even really get to celebrate cutting down the nets. Like there were coaches stepping up on the ladder as they're looking at their. So I felt like it was. I almost felt bad for them. That it felt like, like a wasted. I want to say wasted opportunity, but even from our perspective, it, it ends and we're doing two podcasts and I wanted time to just sit back yeah. and like let it wash over me and instead, boom, selection Sunday because it was overtime and then it's like, oh, I, I guess we're moving on. Yeah, and I think they had time after that, but yeah. like in the stadium, I'm sitting there in the middle of the fans. Like I'm in the middle of the family. I wanted to insert myself into that carp and I got to ride the emotions of the fans as they're going through all of this, but also see the families and, and them cutting down the nets. And then when Io points up to the board, it's like, oh, let's move on to what's next. So it felt like, man, I wish the Big Ten would give you an hour. Like, I wish they didn't lead completely. I know why TV-wise they do it. But just give these kids an hour to, to celebrate this and, and, and you know revel in that moment. They didn't have that. Now, maybe they had it later in the night, and, and you saw the pictures of Io and all those guys that were great. But you, you move on, you see Loyola Chicago, and you're like, of course. The NCAA puts, yeah, puts a nice storyline uh, right in round two. But they got to beat Georgia Tech who also is on a heater right now. I think they've won eight games in a row. So I don't even know if you get to Loyola Chicago. I think you probably have Georgia Tech maybe next. But even if you play Loyola Chicago, right, that's a team that's, what, comparable to Wisconsin. And Wisconsin crushed them, 77-63. So I get it. They've been to a Final Four. They got some luck along the way, but it was a great run, right? It was a fantastic run. You're better than them. Like, you are far better than them. So unless you have a terrible game, um, you should win that one. Oklahoma State. I was watching Brad Underwood as that came across, and he just kind of shook his head (laughs) and smiled because it's all he could do. I mean, another storyline, they're scary because they have the number one pick in the draft. They also have no one that can match up with Kofi Coburn. Well, and here's the thing, too. We we say this. We talk about Oklahoma State. Well, let me start with Loyola Chicago. If they were Loyola Marymount, I don't think fans would care as much because there's that please don't let us lose to the in-state 
you know, yeah. everyone's favorite little uh, underdog story. And there's some motivation, Kingdom. right? Like Loyola wants them. They, they, yeah, they, they love that. Like, let's let's beat Illinois. It's a little bit of extra motivation for them. Though I think the Chicago part of that, I mean, just Io and the way that he internalizes things. I feel like he'd be just as up for that game as Loyola Chicago because that's his. He's not going to lose to a Chicago school. So I know that sounds very simplistic and very meatball, but no, it's not going to happen. I under I, will I be nervous? Hell yes. I don't care if it's Loyola Chicago or Georgia Tech, but when the game gets started. And then you get into the first media timeout and things get going. I think they'll be fine. Oklahoma State, well-documented, best player in the game, or at least the number one pick in the NBA draft. But you mentioned it. The size is not really a thing for them. And what I'm really interested, if there is a matchup with Oklahoma State in the Sweet 16, you have all these quad one wins, and those are legit. They are a good team and potentially a very good team. But I'm also interested how that jives with some of the metrics, including Ken Palm, that has them around 29th and 30th. So a lot of people are saying terribly underseeded, terribly underseeded. And yet there are advanced metrics that say, you know, defensively, they're okay. Offensive or do, defensively, they're pretty good. Offensively, not so great. I'd be interested to see if that's a big 12 wide thing, because even West Virginia is around the 30 mark. And I'm thinking, okay, well, you know, wh why does Oklahoma State scare us? It's because of the narrative. It's because of Cade Cunningham, the revenge factor, when in actuality, you just line the two teams up. You still like Illinois' chances. Yes. Yeah. I mean, if Kofi gets in foul trouble. You're concerned, right? And that's for that's for anybody. Yeah. Uh, but I I actually like that matchup. If you get it, I mean, they got to beat probably Tennessee to get there, right? Which is not an, an easy task. Uh, they have to beat Liberty in the first round, which some people think that can be uh, an upset pick. But I would expect Oklahoma State to get there based on what they've done here recently. But like Io against Cade, man, talk about a guy motivated. NBA draft stock, like go one on one with the number one pick. If he has a big game against Cade. And that could be put him into the lottery or the top 15, right? Like uh, all of a sudden. So I, I love that kind of motivation for IO myself. But um, yeah, I would have thought West Virginia is a four, right? And Oklahoma State is a three. And I didn't like West Virginia as a matchup like two weeks ago, but they don't play defense, man. And, and Illinois getting up and down in transition, Curbelo getting in transition, IO. Um, what, what I'm trying to say is everybody in that bracket should be terrified they have to go through Illinois. Like they, right now, Illinois, outside of Gonzaga and maybe Baylor, but like, I think Kofi's just that matchup problem that nobody wants to deal with. I think Illinois has the highest floor, second highest floor in, in college basketball right now. They will be tested and they could lose to Oklahoma State. They could lose to West Virginia or Houston, but I, I think every one seed uh, is saying that right now. Our fan base, and understandably so, you see Oklahoma State come across, you see Loyola Chicago that is an eight seed, yet they're 10th on Ken Palm. And you think, well, we got screwed here. But no, I think you hit it on the head that it's really the other way around. If you're an Oklahoma State fan, after everything you accomplished, here's here's your prize, a four seed in Illinois' bracket. Not Michigan with livers out and maybe you have an easier path. No, you do not want to be in Illinois' bracket right now. I think that you know, the single elimination tournament, and you had harped on this a lot, and, and it kind of changed my perspective about how we um, how we measure success for college basketball programs and why conference titles are oftentimes a better barometer than what you do in the postseason. And they got their Big Ten title. And I know we're Big Ten tournament title, but let's be honest, this tournament title has more significance than simply what they did that weekend. When, with you, all have, the when you have four more wins than the other team. <laughs> and every, you know what? Everybody knows it. it, it Michigan fans, they don't need to say a word about it. They don't need to admit it and, and – 
and they don't need to uh, and they compromise. deserve to share. You, you and I, we, they deserve to share the regular season title. Absolutely, they don't need to concede anything. But I think that all the Big Ten fans understand, and all the Big Ten teams understand, Illinois was the best team this year. That's why that banner is going to mean more. But when it comes to the tournament and and how we really view legacies of teams, you know, I've so often went into tournaments with good Illinois teams, 05, 01, and known that there was that huge landmine awaiting them. In 01, it was Arizona in the same region. Third match didn't work. In 05, it was UNC. We knew it was right there. It happened. I didn't like it from the start. It didn't end well. I don't get that same sense this year. Gonzaga this year, fantastic, deserved one seed. But if you get that far, I don't view them the same way I viewed UNC back in 05. If anything, I view Illinois as that one team that is playing their best at the right time with future NBA guys across the roster. And then you mix in seniors like DeMonte and Trent that are playing their best ball. Um, you go eight deep, and I don't feel bad with any of those eight guys on the court right now. Yeah, and for me, just the ultimate X factor, it's not even the, the first team All-American. It's 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 your second team All American. No, it's it's Kofi. it's Kofi. It's it's the presence of him. I mean, Sean May was something that Illinois didn't have in two thousand five. Like Augustine got in foul trouble, but Augie was having trouble with Sean May, right? Because he's really big, he's really strong, and he's really good. Like going up against Drew Timmy, I, I feel good about Kofi, right? Going mm-hmm. up against any big in the country, I feel pretty dang good. I mean, you just saw what he did to Garza. Like Garza finished with 21 and 12, but he had 21 shots. Like you have a guy who can wipe out the other guy's big man. You have Io who can wipe out a guy like Cade Cunningham, right, for the most part, uh, or at least match him possibly. And then the key is you've seen all these other guys step up. It's not just those two. Um, that That's what's changed. I think we knew all along you had two guys who were all Big Ten first teamers, but do you have the depth? And I don't know which game it was, Carp. I don't know if it was Michigan. I don't. Maybe it was Ohio State at Ohio State. But that's when I started to say, okay, this team, this team's a legit national title contender. I think it took me that long to even go, okay, they could be a Final Four team, maybe. Yeah, you know, if they too. get the right draw. But I think it was Michigan. Obviously, was like, whoa, whoa, and then Ohio State to follow it up with that win with Io there with other guys stepping up. And then to do what they did the last week, these last, you know, since the start of March, that's when I've said, okay, this, this team is one of the national title favorites. They deserve to be. Plus, unlike Michigan, they're healthy right now. I don't want to be oversimplistic again, but as we look at that bracket, first off, what they've accomplished so far, it's the ultimate training ground for what they're about to go through. They don't even need to leave their hotel. They're in the same place. They get a leg up on their competition by having been in Indy for five extra days. So this is routine for them by this point. Also playing away from home. They played Nebraska on February 25th, 26th. I think eight of their last nine games were away from State Farm Center. So this is normal to them by now. Uh, but I, I actually like, let's presume, let's presume, and I think it's a safe assumption that Oklahoma State gets the job done and they get to the Sweet 16. You have that matchup. That's the marquee matchup of that day on mm-hmm. Sunday. I like the fact that you would get, or whenever that Sweet, Sweet 16 would be played, I like the fact that you get that extra prep, you get that extra rest, and essentially by winning that game, I'm not going to go so far as to say you guarantee a spot in the Final Four, but I don't think you're playing a team tougher than Oklahoma State the way they're playing in a Houston or West Virginia or San Diego State. I don't mind getting that first. The biggest landmine in that region, I don't mind getting that a little bit earlier, and then you have the short turnaround for an easier-to-manage kind of team. So I think that 
listen, would I prefer Florida State as the four? No. Would I prefer LSU as an eight? No. Right. You could go down the list. Would I prefer Alabama as a number two? Hell no. So Dude, I looked at Michigan's okay. I looked at Michigan's bracket and I said, No way. No, no way they're getting through that with with livers out. Like and I I like that Michigan team. <laughs> Sorry, a lot of, I, I like watching them. I think they're a lot of fun. It's a, just a well-built roster. Uh, but with Livers out and the way they've kind of limped into this thing, uh, I don't like their draw whatsoever. So I'd much rather have what Illinois has. And it's not like Baylor got off easy. I think Gonzaga did because Virginia, right? Like Virginia uh, in that thing, Kansas in that thing. So I think they got a draw, but that's that's the benefit of being the number one. Just like Illinois in 2005, man, they had – about as easy of a path until the Elite Eight is possible. Illinois is not going to have that this year, but as you said, I like the bottom half of their bracket if they can get through the top half. Yeah, and we keep on thinking, myself included, that it's going to go scratch. And you mentioned Liberty, which is kind of a sexy upset pick. And it, I mean, things can happen. I remember back, it hasn't happened a whole lot for Illinois, to be honest. In 05, they played Bruce Pearl's Wisconsin-Milwaukee. I think they were 13 seed. So that was a bit of a break. And back in 2002, I think they played 12, 12 seed Creighton in the second round at the United Center. They don't often get that. But that's the thing, too, is that the your bracket could blow wide open. It could happen for any one seed. You might just be the beneficiary of that this year. I will say as a fan, I'll take the easiest path, the sure. path of least resistance, because you know what? They don't, they don't need to prove anything in terms of, well, we, uh, can they beat good teams or not? Of course they can. Uh, but I, I wouldn't mind for them to have a break here or there. They get one on Friday. And uh, I think 8-9 matchup, I'd still prefer Loyola-Chicago. I'll take the non-Power 5 school. I'll take the team that athletically I don't think can match up with you. And I might get sick of seeing Sister Jean on the TV. And, but whatever. It's, I mean, no offense to her, but I can't do cutesy storylines when my team's playing. I, I just cannot focus on that. Yeah. Can't do it. The media loves nothing more than, than Sister oh, Jean, yeah. man. Uh, <laughs> got to deal with it. Got to deal with it. Oh, yeah. All right, Carp. So uh, I was in the stadium, man. And, you know, I don't know if the TV showed it, but they probably showed the crowd a little bit and it's spaced out and it didn't look full. But I tell you what, um, the ambiance of it and the sound, the sound felt bigger than it looked in Lucas Oil. And, you know, they're going to have fans, you know, at every every place and Illinois fans are going to pay up. Um, I, I think that's going to help too. The fact that you have fans that are going to make this journey to see this special team. Are, are you, are you going to spend some money? Like, are you saving for one specific game? And I wouldn't go the first game and I saw the prices. I would definitely not go see Drexel against Illinois. Um, I would probably save for that sweet 16 game, to be honest with you. You know, if the opportunity presents itself national title game, finally to win that big one or have a chance to do it. I, I would consider that. I'm glad you brought this factor up. I, I think you're looking at, if you play six games, six home games. And I don't mind the fact that the first one's at, you know, the IUPUI Fieldhouse or whatever it's called. And then the second one, I presume, would not be at Lucas Oil, but it'd be at maybe Hinkle or it'd be at, I don't know, Mackey, some, some other smaller arena where it might only be 4,000 Illinois fans, but that's still a home game because I really doubt that maybe a few Loyola Chicago fans, but other teams are not going to travel nearly as well as you do. So it is an advantage. And we also saw this team plays to it. Mm -hmm. Georgie, after a second and one, we saw Kofi all weekend, more animated than we've seen him all year. And he's had moments, but he was he was enjoying this. And then Io, I mean, come on. Uh, I think it was Friday. It was a subtle thing, but he got fouled for a layup. And then he ended up at this end table behind the basket. And he just kind of sat on it like this. 
and, and just took about five seconds as I presume the crowd was roaring their approval and he's just eating that up. So I think that it's getting another his MVP factor. chance. He was getting MVP chance throughout the week. Yeah. And you know, what's, that's, what's amazing is that for IO, he such sets such a high standard of play that it wasn't altogether an amazing weekend for him, given how good he's been. But yet he's still IO, and and we saw that even when he even when he get B minus IO offensively, doesn't matter. I, I do think a big a big factor against Ohio State that you could put into play against Oklahoma State when Washington was getting his, they finally switched, and we saw IO take him. I think when you play a Cade Cunningham, maybe try Trent, even though he's given up some inches, but rotate him around and let some of those tweeners like a Demonte and an Io take their chance. I'm getting ahead of myself, but we know, we know that that right there, we keep gravitating towards that because yeah, number one NBA draft pick, that is uh, something to contend with if you're trying to make a Final Four. Yeah, I couldn't put Trent on Cade Cunningham. He's got like no, seven inches. <laughs> Trent Frazier, I don't think he can do yeah. that. All right, Carp, uh, before I let you go, I do want to bring this up because we've kind of been chatting about it all year. Um, Indiana makes the move. Get $10 million to fire Archie. And I don't blame him because that was not going well. There was no future, from from my opinion. Uh, obviously, there were bigger issues uh, behind the scenes than we probably saw. But he didn't have any more talent coming in. They would have relied on the transfer portal anyway. So I do think in the long run, they're making the right move. I guess just $10 million in a COVID year, in a pandemic year, is a little bit surprising. But when you got two, I guess, donors that can pay it all, hey, go for it if that's how you want to spend your money. Uh, but uh, this is a huge... Because they're, they're teetering, I mean, on irrelevant, right? I mean, they're kind of where Illinois was four or five years ago. So they have to get this one right. And I'd call, I'd give a call to Calipari, to be honest with you. That'd be my first call. I'd be like, hey, are you sick of Kentucky yet? You want to come save us now? Uh, 10 million? Sure. Like, we'll obey you that. Um, then I give a call to Scott Drew. And then I don't know where I go. Is it is it Dane Fife? Is it an Indiana guy? Um, or is it... You know, Chris Beard at Texas Tech. I I don't know. Like I, outside of those two huge names, um, you got you got to get this one right. I, and I still think it's an appealing job, but it's a tough job right now. It's a tough job, and I think after Archie was there, you know, coaching candidates won't look at Archie getting fired and say, "Well, I got no shot there." I don't think that'll be the case. But I think that when you see what he did, and then while Crean had a couple really good years and overall some success. It's not the same. And the further you're away from that blue blood status, which was so predicated on Bob Knight and what he did, and really more to the point, what Bob Knight did his first 15 years. Because if you consider the 90s, he wasn't much different than a Lou Henson. They'd finish top four in the Big Ten. They'd make NCAA tournaments, early exits. You know, the last national title was a long time ago. So I view them very much in the same way that I view Nebraska football, where they have the pedigree and they have the history and they should be better. But forever, for whatever reason, it's just not clicking. And they got to go for a home run. Because, I, But if they don't, I don't know who that next man up would be. Archie Miller, to me and to you, and I think a lot of people seem like the home run hire. I wanted him. Where Underwood was like, I had to talk myself into it. But Archie Miller, I would have been over the moon ecstatic for. And maybe Archie Miller would have worked somewhere else. So I think that there might be something to consider. Indiana as a program has struggled as long as they have, regardless of coach. I think that that, that goes beyond even Archie. Yeah, I'm looking at, at Peeg's list right now, and, and Beard uh, is atop their list. They got guys like Musselman, which would be a big hire, given what he's doing at Arkansas. And I, I think they can pull somebody like that. I think they can pull somebody that's in the NCAA tournament right now, doing well, kind of like Illinois did uh, with Brad Underwood. So uh, they, they just got to get it right. 
Um, and you got to get somebody who can get talent there because talent's a problem. And I, I think development was a huge problem with them. And when we talk about, you know, togetherness and the buzzword culture, um, you know, I like Trace Jackson Davis, phenomenal player, but like when it didn't add to winning and it's not all on him, but it was just like, yeah, you're getting yours, but the rest of your team is, is not stepping up. Like it just seemed like something was wrong there. It certainly, certainly feels that way. Uh, Penn state makes a hire Micah Shrewsbury uh, from Purdue. It was a Brad Stevens. I think that's a pretty good hire, uh, for them. Uh, but Minnesota, Rich Patino knew he was getting fired, man, because he's already got another job. So he certainly was interviewing. So good for rich. I would hire Tim miles if I were them, but be interesting to see where Minnesota goes from here. Yeah, well, Minnesota's just kind of Minnesota. And I know that's like, what, what do I mean by that? Dan Munson, Richard Pitino, Tubby Smith had the most success. But even then, they aren't a team that scares you outside of maybe one year every decade where they put together a top 10 team. And, and you mentioned Penn State. I know they got the new guy, but you got four transfers out. Six. Brockton, six. Six. It's been good ones. And I don't know if they can do the inner conference thing. I know Brad Evans was all about getting... Was it Har Horror? I'm trying to say it. Dude, like Harar, I would love him on Illinois. If you can add him to, to Illinois, yeah, I'd be I'd be all about that. So that's that's a big ten next year that consider Indiana that will be maybe not a full rebuild, but they won't be good, I don't think. Penn State, awful. Northwestern, they are what they are. Nebraska, wait and see. Uh, but the bottom four or five teams, not so good. I, I do think there's more balance the further you go up and to see what Maryland, how they finished the year, and Michigan State. You know that the eight, nine teams of the Big Ten will still make it good. But uh, this year was a monster. And it's difficult to imagine with some departures the conference being quite as good next year, which I think bodes well for Illinois regardless of you know who leaves. All right, Carp, before I let you go, what's your setup Thursday, Friday? What, what you got here? Because you're on spring break, right? Yeah, spring break. So Friday, I got got the sunroom here. I love the early start so we can watch it. And for you, I, I know you love it. You follow the story, and then you got the rest of the day to watch basketball. That's right. what I'm going to do. Watch the watch the game, publish the podcast, watch the Loyola Chicago game for sure. And then I, I presume Oklahoma State and Tennessee are playing later that day as well. I guess I need to check that. But yeah, it's uh, I, I love the early starts. I love that you were the third game and a lot of people's eyes will be on you. I know it's not prime time, but I think there will be a lot of interest in checking out one seed Illinois that early in the tournament. I, I like it. You scared of the Drexel Dragons? I, I got to be honest, I haven't done my full scouting uh, report on Drexel. Uh, you know, Illinois done okay in the 116 matchups before. It was Fairly uh, Dickinson gave you a scare for a little bit. Half, you're up what one point at half against Fairly Dickinson. I think you won by 11. Northeastern State, they actually in 2001 trivia the 16 seed Northeastern State had just come off the very first play-in game. That was the mm. first time the field expanded to 65. Uh, but yeah, usually the number one seed is not too much of an issue. I don't, I don't presume that it will be. And for me, it is really just about, okay, uh, get some reps in and then be ready for what should be a tough 8-9 game. But I say all that, and you see what this team has done against a Wisconsin 9 seed, Rutgers 10 seed. And uh, the nerves will be there, but I have faith that when it comes down to it, this team has what it takes to get through to the next weekend, and then we can really get nitty-gritty with matchups. How do you feel confidence-wise with this team compared to 05 and 01? I think the confidence is that in 05, you were playing from ahead the entire time. You were number one. There was this, you know, I talked about fan pressure. There was this thought that if they don't do it, we'll never do it. You know, there was this immense feeling, this heaviness, especially... When they lost to Ohio State, 
And they won the Big Ten tournament, but it was not the most impressive three days. They just kind of got it done. Even D Brown, if you recall, post-game celebration, Billy Packer told him, keep your head up, kid, because D Brown had a bad Big Ten tournament. So the vibe I used the Augie carried you, right? Augie was awesome that week. He was. So there there was the sense that uh, just do it somehow, some way. But the 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 shiny veneer of that team had been kind of chipped away from that one stupid loss. It messed with people's heads a little bit. This team, they're the second best team in the nation. They're number two in the AP poll, and they still feel disrespected. How? I don't know. But keep doing that. Whatever they have to do to continue to be ticked off and maintain that role of the hunter. And, and this is one final point to a potential Oklahoma State or Houston or West Virginia matchup or even Loyola Chicago. They find all these slights. Mm-hmm. Iowa would find a slide about Cade Cunningham or the fact that he's from Chicago and Sister Jean's getting more attention than him. I would love for Io to actually take something up with Sister Jean. <laughs> Wouldn't that be a great just narrative on top of that? I don't think you'll see that. I think no, he's no, too, no. too nice of a kid for that. I do think that the likes of an Oklahoma State, in a weird way, I'd rather play a team like that that you cannot take lightly as opposed to, let's say, a Virginia, Virginia team that hobbled in. I do think there's something to be said that when the lights are brighter for this team, they tend to show up. That's been the case for two years now, and they aren't brighter than right now. So I, 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 I as I fill up my bracket, unironically, I am going to put Illinois to win it all. I, I just you? think who you who got Gonzaga, Illinois. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I do too. And just to be the hater, I think Gonzaga is is as advertised and um maybe they lose in the second round again i don't don't know but um i I think gonzaga is a really tough matchup for everybody i do think illinois has an advantage in at center i think kispert is a problem for them they're a big team i think trent uh, and curbello defensively could struggle there but i mean that's what we're talking about like i have them in a national championship game and people could call me a hater because i do feel like this team is just as capable based on how they're playing now carp is 05. It's just they're they're a little younger and they don't have NCAA tournament experience. Um, that said, they seem to, as you said, thrive with pressure, with adversity. And um, that's why when you got a guy like number 11, right, and Trent and DeMonte who have stepped up and Curbelo who seems to love that more than playing in some game against Northwestern, right, like they seem to have that it factor to go along with all their talent and, and coaching staff. Yeah, and even with the lack of March Madness experience that they have, this is an NCAA tournament like unlike any other. So you get the Gonzagas of the world that have been there year in, year out. They walk into these gyms with 2,000 people. They're like, well, this isn't like I remember it two years ago. Meanwhile, you get this Illinois team, and the only postseason experience they have is in a socially distanced stadium with Illini fans raining cheers upon them, and that's all they get for the rest of the way. This or- is all... Or the Wednesday the Wednesday night game against Northwestern in the Big Ten tournament, right? Like that that was Io's first postseason experience, and then they got clobbered by Iowa. Like that's his postseason experience on top of what he just had. Your first book has to be about this team. If you ever write a book, it's gotta be about this team. Could be depending on the ending. Depending on the ending, of course. I think it depends on the ending. Right. I think it really depends on the ending, but it, it's a phenomenal story so far. And I think uh, we'll be talking about it for a few more weeks here. Michael Carpenter, enjoy the uh, first couple rounds of the NCAA tournament. I'll talk to you next week, man. Absolutely. We'll talk soon. Great stuff with Michael Carpenter, as always. Uh, I just filled out my bracket. And yes, I had Illinois against Gonzaga in the national championship game. As of right now, I can change it. Um, I got Gonzaga winning that game in a very, very tight game. Um, I think they're going to have a problem with Kofi Coburn, if that certainly was the case. 
But if you need help filling out your bracket like I do, uh, let's get an analytical approach to it. How should we fill out our bracket? Sheldon Jacobson's a professor of computer sciences at Illinois. He's done a lot of research on this and what sounds like a very fun class I wish I would have taken at the U of I. Sheldon Jacobson, professor of computer sciences at Illinois. He'll join us next to give us all the data breakdown of how to fill out your NCAA tournament bracket. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast passion drive and patience what brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive ebay motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome back into the Online Inquirer podcast. And kind enough to join us today is University of Illinois Computer Sciences Professor Sheldon Jacobson. And why are we talking with Professor Jacobson? It's because... He uh, is into the bracket and the odds of the bracket and picking brackets. And uh, he's made this part of his uh, curriculum here at the University of Illinois. It's a bracket simulator, uh, the best methods for picking a tournament. And uh, Professor, thank you for joining us. And as we were just talking about, uh, it's nice for once to be talking about the bracket with the University of Illinois, a big part of it. Absolutely. Uh, Illinois, we've had a dry period since 04 and 05, and now we are on the top of the heap once again, so it's great to be able to be part of the winning formula this year and hopefully uh, see the Illini come through and, and achieve something that they haven't achieved for a long time. So how did this become a project for a university course? Because it sounds like one I would have liked to have signed up for at the University of Illinois. Well, bracketology is all about data science and data analysis. And there's a tremendous amount of information that is collected every tournament. And if you take all that information and put it together and tease out some important insights, you're able to, in fact, come up with information that helps 
you know, the fans who don't know much about the game uh, to people who are experts like yourself, who want to really be better informed of what we're going to see because the tournament does produce patterns of seeds as they propagate through the tournament. And we've analyzed those patterns and we try and help people use it to their advantage. Is there a reason you wanted to pick the, I mean, obviously it's a college um, tournament, but uh, the NCAA tournament, is it is it far different than, say, the NFL playoffs or the MLB playoffs? I don't know if you've even looked into that, but um, if there's something unique about the NCAA men's basketball tournament. Well, what's nice about uh, the NCAA basketball tournament, or March Madness, as we like to call it, of course, is that it's a, it's a one and done. It's a single elimination tournament. You, If you look historically, excellent teams have ended up not winning national championships. And that's part of the excitement and the mystique that goes into March Madness, that just because you're a fantastic team entering the tournament undefeated, for example, we've had several of those, they don't always win national championships. In fact, they almost never do. So you started this in 2007. Where do you, where do you start? Like, like, what do you want to research? Well, what we wanted to do is look for patterns. You know, as a data scientist in computer science, uh, what I'm trying to do is extract information from data to help understand phenomena that maybe are not clear to people. I mean, this is the foundation of artificial intelligence, trying to glean insights from data that cannot be seen by the naked eye, but through algorithms, we're able to extract that information. So is this a lot of data input uh, starts off there? And, and where do you go from there? Absolutely. What we've done is we've use the data that's available. So we go back to what I call the modern era of the tournament, which is since 1985. And then we build models to try and understand the patterns. And then with these models, we then try and help people understand what they're seeing because people are saying, oh, if you ask all of the experts right now, who's gonna make the final four, it's always heavily weighted on the number one seats, which for an Illinois fan, that sounds pretty good. But the patterns are such that you're more likely to see no number one seeds in the final four than four number one seeds in the final four, even though you can't imagine any of them losing. Uh, if we look historically, 40% of the number one of the of the slots for the final four have been held by number one seeds. So that puts Illinois in a very, very comfortable position. But still, you tend to see one or two number ones in the final four. And the question is, which two will they be? Will, will the Illini be one of them? And we just don't know right now. But when will a number one tend to get upset? The most likely place they get upset is the Elite Eight. And that's where if you're going to pull upsets over a number one, you like to see them happen or you observe them to happen in the Elite Eight. So these are the kinds of patterns that have occurred year in and year out. Uh, and all they are are patterns. It doesn't mean you can guarantee that a team will win or lose in a particular round, but you do see the tendencies to occur. So I can pretty much assure you that there's a very high likelihood that one of the number ones is going to lose. I can't tell you which one it is right now. I hope it's not the Illini, obviously, but one of them will lose, and they're going to lose in an unexpected way. So th that's a great start to the bracket. It's usually about one or two one seeds get to the final four, but obviously starting the first round, that's where we like to pick our upsets, right? And sound smart to our friends. Um, it's probably smarter not to pick some of those upsets, I would imagine, but 
what would be your advice for for picking the first round if you want to have fun with it uh, and, and pick an upset? Because usually everyone says pick the twelve over the five. Does the data back that up? Right. Well, let's look at the 13, 14, 15, and 16 seeds. People tend to fall in love with a particular uh, low major or mid major, and they say, oh, this, that's where the upset is going to occur. But they don't occur that frequently, but they do occur irregularly. So picking one of them is probably prudent if you want to include it in your bracket. But if you want to be safe, don't pick any of them because they aren't going to go very far anyways. So they're going to get eliminated. Uh, then you get into the 12, 11, and the 10 seeds, and that's where the real upsets start to occur. The 12-5 upset, the 11-6 upset, the 10-7 upset. Those are the ones that, once again, people tend to overpopulate their brackets with them. Putting three of those in there is probably less than what you're going to see, but it's also prudent because it's hard to pick which ones are going to be. People tend to overstock their brackets with upsets, thinking that they have to pick the right one. Well, in reality, if you avoid picking the upsets and go much more with the favorites, you'll end up with a healthier bracket at the end of the day. Is there anything um, you know past that? So round of 32, sweet 16, uh, what does the data, t- t- data tell us there? Once again, when you look in the Sweet 16, having a double-digit team there is fairly common. The other seed that tends to produce better results in the tournament are 11 seeds. And there is a reason for that. The 11 seed will play a six seed initially. If they win, then they could be playing a three seed. If they win that, they would be playing a two seed. And if they win that, they're playing the one seed to get to the final four. Avoiding the one and the two line as long as possible is the best way to advance. And as a result of that, uh, there's always a chance that the one may get upset in the Sweet 16, or the two may get upset when they play a seven. All of these things are give the path to a final four for an 11 seed much better than if they were a 12 seed or a 13 seed or even a 10 or a nine or an eight seed. It's far better to be an 11. That's the best you know, double digit seed that you want. And if you want to pick, you know, one of your brackets, you know, think about those 11s. We've seen several of them in the last few years who've made it through uh, and they make it through because their path is favorable uh, in terms of avoiding the better teams that are seeded highly. What do you, final four wise, you mentioned the one or two one seeds. Is there a certain pattern that, that is most likely, whether it's two ones, a three and a four? Like What, what is the most common if you guys have, have looked into that? We have. The most common combination of seeds would be two ones, a two and a three. And that has the highest likelihood of occurring. Now, when I say highest likelihood, that doesn't mean it's going to occur this year. It simply means probabilistically it has the greatest chance based on what the data says. And this is based on our modeling as well as what we've seen in the past. So two ones, a two, and a three. And then you say that means two ones have to lose. Well, will it be Gonzaga? Will it be Baylor? Will it be Illinois? Will it be Michigan? Uh, people think Gonzaga can't lose because they haven't lost. Yet, If we think historically, when's the last time we saw a number one seed who was undefeated go the whole way? And it's been a long time, uh, if it goes back to the Indiana team, in fact, and there's been many others since then who, in fact, who have tried but failed. 
So uh, you also look at the number one overall, people think, oh, they can't lose. But historically, they've only won a handful of national championships. Sometimes being the second best or the third best serves you better. So, Professor Jacobs and I, how much do you get into this individual bracket, the 2021? How much does your class or, or you dive into uh, the seeding and the paths of what teams have? Well, we, our, our Bracket Odds website, which is available to everybody, we have a great group of students who, uh, who help me with it. And we, we input new information and data. This year, we've added, in fact, two new bracket simulators. And uh, these bracket simulators are based on analysis we have done in how do you form brackets that are more likely to score better in the ESPN challenges. And ironically, the best place to pick your teams initially are not in the round of 64 or not the national champion, but picking in the final four group or the elite eight group. If you pick those teams first, you will discover that once you've locked those in, you'll tend to produce brackets that perform better. doesn't mean each of them will perform well, but they tend to perform better. And we added a simulator this year for each of them that you can go to the website at bracketodds.cs.illinois.edu and we'll do it for you. And then you can pick and choose which ones you like. And if you're an Illini fan, you're going to like a lot of them when they show Illinois winning the national championship. Yeah, so I, I don't know. What, what do you think? What does the number say about Illinois' path if you, if you guys have looked into that? Well, we haven't looked at the specifics, but being a number one seed, you have a very comfortable path to the Elite Eight. The Elite Eight is a treacherous place for all the number ones. If you get to the final four, that first game is tough. But if you can survive to the national championship game, number ones do well. So there are really two rounds that are dangerous for number one seeds, which are the Elite Eight and the, the final four game. Those are the two. The other games tend to be more straightforward, ironically. So it's, it's, it's play and it's survive and it's move on, as they say. And that's what you have in a single elimination tournament. So, so much can happen in any given game. And matchups are in many ways unpredictable. So as a result of that, the, the, the pathway for number one still is the best pathway. I'd rather be a number one than a number four, that's for sure. But there's still some treacherous terrain to be traversed. I wanted to ask you because Illinois really over this seven game win streak has really locked up that one seed. How important is that? What is the difference uh, in odds of, of a one and a two seed getting to the final four? Well, once again, the most likely combination is two ones, a two and a three. So you think, well, I'd rather be a one rather than two. I've got twice the chance right there of making it to the final four. Uh, you would think that there shouldn't be much of a difference. And we've actually looked at that. And it turns out earlier in the tournaments, being a one has an advantage over being a two. But as the tournament progresses, that advantage wanes. So if you can survive as a two and get into the Elite Eight and beyond, then you look pretty much like a number one. The seed differential is much less pronounced in the later rounds than it is in the earlier rounds. The earlier rounds is where the seeds are important. Once you get to the Elite Eight, the seeds really become much less relevant. Is there anything that surprised you uh, in, in your research or, or the numbers that you guys have found that kind of goes against conventional wisdom? Uh, one of them is, is how to construct brackets intelligently. Once again, people just say, okay, I'm going to fill up my round of 64. Maybe I'll choose the national champion and then kind of move from there. And once again, what we found out is 
start from the end, in particular the final four of the Elite Eight, and move backwards and forwards from there. And you tend to produce brackets that make more sense. And that's why you know, when we did this research, it's like, wow, you know, why is this producing better results collectively? And that was a big surprise to us. The other thing to keep in mind is that we don't have as many upsets as we think there are. If you look historically, people are thinking, oh, look at all these upsets, and they write about them, and you talk about them. But when you look at the nuts and bolts of the upsets, there are a consistent, persistent number. But at the end of the day, when you look at the final teams who are vying for a national champion, it's really the best 16 teams in the country who are there. And you'll have a flyer in the final four, you know, maybe a seven seed or a 12 seed or an 11 seed. But, the, the, you know, they're happy to be there, but they're not going to win the national champion. BracketOdds.cs.illinois.edu for this Bracket Odds website. Um, Professor Jacobson, before we let you go, uh, if, if somebody is listening to this and, and wants to get in this class, I'm sure they need to be uh, in, in a role of U of I student and all that. But like, um, how, how do they get into this? Because I think a lot more people in sports with, with baseball, basketball, now even football, analytics and, and data science is, is playing a much bigger role in yeah, yeah. What I do is I run this program with students uh, as independent studies uh, every fall. Uh, they usually approach every spring, I should say, and every fall they approach me and then we set up independent studies with them and we have group meetings. So it's a lot of fun. It's an opportunity to bring STEM, science, technology, engineering and math into the real world and give these students a chance to see their work and their data analysis being used by literally tens of thousands of people today as we speak and having fun with a great event like March Madness. What has it been like for you as somebody in analytics to see it play such a big role in sports? Well, I didn't expect that when we started doing this, but it really comes down to the education. You know, We're in it because we want the students to be able to appreciate the use of data in, in the real world, in life. And what better way to do it is using sports and March Madness. So this is all about the educational component. You know, it's fun and it's great and we enjoy the games, but at the end of the day, these students walk away appreciating data in a way they never ever thought possible. And it will make a difference in their lives and the lives of others who they touch. Definitely. Is there anything else you'd like to add, Professor? Now, this is great. You're doing a fantastic job, Jeremy. I follow you all the time. So keep up the good work and let's hope that the Illini do great. I'm going to add one other plug for one other team on campus, which is the men's golf team. You know, they, uh, we have a great chance to win a national championship this year, but they have an even better chance. Look at the probabilities. So Mike Small's done a fantastic job. So I'm going to give him, you know, some kudos and say, well done. And uh, at the end of the day in May, we may have a national championship with our men's golf team. Three for three to start the year. Pretty impressive start for them. Professor Sheldon Jacobson, appreciate the time. Thank you very much. Have a wonderful day, Jeremy. Enjoy the tournament. Great stuff from Professor Sheldon Jacobson. Hope you enjoyed that look and it helps you fill out those brackets just a little more. That'll do it here for us here on the Alana Inquirer podcast. Thanks for listening and subscribe to us, rate us, review us wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget, just a few more days until Thursday at about 11 p.m. Central Time, you can get two months of VIP access to Alana Inquirer for just $1. So give us a shot there. All right, everybody have a great day. Take care of each other. We'll talk to you next time on the Alana Inquirer podcast.
Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.